Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode, and this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. We wear that shoe proudly. There's no doubt about it. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, and welcome inside to another edition of Alex Garrett Podcasting. This is going to go on the adaptability because I believe that another major adaptation could be on the way for America. Did you see what NBC News is reporting? That COVID-19 vaccines could be available by the end of December. And there's a whole bunch of steps like Pfizer today uh, ending up hoping that FDA approval. Submitting an application to the FDA within days. Alex Azar, the health secretary, said today, that could be today. Moderna, also hoping to submit an application soon. So, looking like with the successful vaccines, we could have them. Now, of course, the at-risk people, those with disabilities, those who are older, should be in line to get it. But I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Alex G in NYC at gmail.com. Alex G in NYC at gmail.com. Do you think the people who have had it already should get it just so they never get it again and then go from there? Should they be the first in line? Because I think if they had it, but they have the vaccine and never get it again, that would make a lot more people at ease that, you know, hey, they never could get it again. That's the hope. And then, of course, you go down the line to the disabled, to the, as I say, the at-risk, and then everybody else. It's just good news. Even The Atlantic is saying we could be seeing an end to the pandemic. I mean, this is fantastic stuff we're seeing. And with me today to discuss all of this is Scott Milner. He wrote, it's called Win the War on COVID-19. He's the president of Rocky Mountain Efficiency Group. So I ask him, what, how can businesses, how can facilities make their office space, their workspace for employees and clients efficient enough to survive COVID-19? Well, excellent question. Um, As I see it and as I've seen it uh, as a facility expert, uh, frankly, there's not enough people that know how to control, reduce, or kill this thing. And again, uh, as a certified facility consultant, I've been doing this for years. We, we know how to kill bacteria and virus, and I, I wish the media would, would talk more about it, frankly. And this is why I brought you on, because obviously one of my big gripes here in New York has been about how do we make sure indoor dining can go on. You and I both agree, I'm sure, that the less indoor dining goes on, the more the business gets killed. And I feel like as a facility manager you would be able to hone in and tell a a small business diner, hey, you could do this right. Hey, leadership, they can do this right. I mean, have you been asked to advise uh, any of the leadership out there in Colorado or any of your small businesses? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. I I help hotels a lot. I'm in the resort sector, any business, frankly, including small retails. And how about your your accountant's office? There's strategies for every little business is unique. Uh, but there are strategies that they could make their environment safer. If they had to bring in an important client, there's ways to make that 
meeting uh, much safer than it could normally be. And what what offer what do you offer in to win the war on COVID nineteen? <laughs> All right. Well, so you're ready to dive in and learn about these uh, techniques to to kill this thing? I, I think it's time. I mean, look, the vaccine's great, but I don't think that's enough. And clearly, you're stating that that's not going to be enough. Well, the vaccine is extremely helpful. I'm, I am thrilled. Me too. Uh, I, I mentioned in my, I mean, I wrote my book in May, and I kind of made a lot of bold statements in there that all seem to be coming true. Um, and I, I mentioned in the book that this thing is able to be controlled by a vaccine. Uh, they're very close to having a vaccine back in May and June when I was writing. Uh, but they've now got three important vaccines. Uh, so that is critical. But we've got months uh, before our population is vaccinated. And many are talking about being frightened. We're nervous about even taking it. So there's a lot of good reasons to understand how to control your environment and to kill virus. And, uh, and so you wrote this in May and you're seeing things coming to fruition now. Um, that's a good thing. And yeah, we're all pleased about the vaccine, but as you say, the immediate, the immediate is what's needed here. Um, right. There's, there's people, uh, getting together for Thanksgiving. You know, yeah. in, in a week. Uh, there is, I think it's United Airlines added 1500, new flights and took away their middle seat restriction because people are traveling this week and there's ways to, you know, have a, have a safer gathering. Um, I'm also with the, the conservative crowd and the CDC guidelines are suggesting not to travel for Thanksgiving right now, but, uh, you know, again, the ways to, to keep uh, indoor environments safer. And that's what I like to uh, communicate to folks. And, so do you also, I'm sure you've also been recommending to people, hey, you don't have to go out and get the high-priced sanitizer. There's got to be a cheaper way to sanitize your office. And as a facility manager and consultant, I'm sure you're covering that as well, the, the sanitization of these office spaces. Exactly. Um, there, there are a lot of different ways to approach it, and we're going to describe some of them tonight. It's not as expensive as you might think. And you have to be able to put things into perspective. Um, for instance, uh, there is a piece of equipment that I have access to uh, for a commercial meat packing plant. Uh, it hangs up in the ceiling, and it has you know larger mechanisms in them, you know much larger than the ones we're going to talk about for a small office or a home. But meat packing plants, there, there's people falling over in meat packing plants, right. and do they do they not know that there's equipment available? Do they not have the I don't know, 20000 for to invest in a meatpacking plant? Do they not care? Um, man, you know, we've, we've got to communicate that there are ways to begin to tackle this thing. Well, and by the way, Tyson Foods, the Huffington Post came out with an alarming report that managers at these Tyson food plants were betting on who could get infected instead of trying to fix the infection. I'm like, what are they talking about? So, very strange. Uh, I heard the report myself and uh, what Come, what's happening to meatpacking plants is, is a crime. And so are you there? Are you on the ground with them trying to fix this? Have they even asked you to help fix all of this, the meatpackings in, in Colorado? No, no, I've not been called by, uh, I have a meatpacking plant here in Colorado, and 
I have reached out to my community health department to let them know what I do and that I'd be interested in talking to anyone that has interest. That's in another county. It seems like a world away, but not to the people that live next to it. We're now, near I'm in it. New York. I'm in New York. Have you been reached out to by New Yorkers um, about this whole maintenance of the in, in you know inside indoor space? Well, remember how new and recent this is. Business moves slowly. They they got whacked with this. Uh, they're in a panic as to what to do with it. They're not sure. They're trying to come up with solutions. I've been busy writing a book and uh, working on other projects. I just received a patent on a product that I came up with to help the travel industry. So it's all really kind of new. And people are all trying to figure it out, including the FDA which we're going to, and the CDC, which we're probably going to talk about a little bit. Sure. Um, so, yeah, um, it's it's very new. That's why they call it a novel virus. And that's why I wrote the book, wrote it early. I have information that I feel I've got to get it out there. Uh, people, the public needs to know about this. Facility operators need to know about this. Um, some of the medical field needs to know about this. And um, what is the yeah. best? Like, what, what do you what are you what are you aiming for? What solutions do you have? <clears throat> I know you have a lot of different topics. I mean, even to the point where you say the president was not entirely wrong about consuming disinfectant. I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> as well as well, your thoughts. I mean, that's always been a hot topic for everybody to talk about. Yeah, there are four methods which I describe again in the book um, in quite in detail, and I'd like to go through them tonight. Uh, the first one is, is UV, UV spectrum, UVC light. And the president mentioned that you could maybe somehow put it in the body. Uh, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> UV light is effective against bacteria and virus. Uh, it's been proven through time that it, it can. It, I mean, it's in our municipal water supply for 30 years. UV light has been purifying the water that comes to our homes. So we, we know that it's effective. Um, and now, because of the LED chip and diode, you can put UV light in all kinds of neat things. I now have a UV toothbrush holder. Uh, there are UV wands. Um, there's a, I have a UV desk lamp. UV is perfect for under cabinets. The problem with it is, though, that it really only is effective for two to three feet. Um, and they don't want you to look into it. So that's why UV is kind of specially designed so that you don't look into it perfect for under cabinets. Um, there's even a neat rechargeable UV um, bag. Like it looks like the ladies makeup bag from the fifties and you close the lid and not until you close the lid, will the UV start to glow, but you can put anything in there, your phone, your keys, your, your K95 mask. You can purify things with UV light as long as it's near them. The hospitals have been using UV light, um, but it's a little impractical. They have UV light on Roomba-type robots that move around the hospital. But again, you would have to be in an unoccupied space because you're not supposed to look at it. And you've got to get that thing within two to three feet of the pathogen you're trying to kill. So UV light definitely has its place. But it's only one layer, one layer of, of all the things that we should be considering, including the CDC guidelines. Well, yeah, I mean, the CDC, I'll be honest, I shared the CDC guidelines for vaccine, and I think that they might have a better 
uh, handle on, on what to do. I wouldn't really trust any governor's thought on it. I, I'd rather trust CDC, believe it or not. But um, from your stance, you're saying let's not take every uh, recommendation they have. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, I want to make sure I understand your question when you say uh, don't take every recommendation. Um, it's true. I mean, you know, when somebody recommends something silly, like maybe consume a disinfectant, you know, like a bleach or something, don't. There was 30 people in New York that drank bleach mm -hmm. after that. That was a mess, and it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> um, but part of the problem is, and that we're having, Alex, is that the, the FDA is a little slow in testing things that directly kill SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. They're so slow at it, after 10 months of this, they just about a month ago, three weeks ago, submitted their application guidelines for companies that make a uh, liquid-based solution that, you know, that is known to kill other virus. Well, they want them to submit it in with plenty of money probably to test it against COVID-19. So they have a, a rule out there that says uh, from the FTC that says no company uh, can, can promise that any product or any device uh, can kill COVID-19 specifically. And that's a problem because here we're gonna be talking about methods that we know is effective, uh, killing HIV, SARS, uh, MRSA, staph, but we have to be very, very careful about how we talk about it killing COVID-19. Well, that's, that is a bit nobody, because when you say, oh, this could kill it, people will automatically start taking it, and that may not be the best either, right? Well, when you say taking it, um, none of these four things are something that you can take necessarily. No, 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 I, I know. So that, that's kind of... I, I guess like saying, you know, hey, but you we can, have this method, but, but it may not be the best method. I, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, it's sort of, I could see where you're saying, like, we have to put warning labels. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. What you're trying to say is the things we're going to talk about tonight are not guaranteed to kill this specific virus, but they are the known methods that we have and we have been using to purify our space, even the surfaces and the airspace. And these methods are good. They're good all the time. Uh, they're good for cat allergen. They're good for the dust and, and things, you know. So these methods we're going to talk about are not weird or specifically unique they're just unknown because people haven't really cared very much about how to purify their air properly um and, and many people are under the impression that the best way to purify air is a thick filter with lots of air moving through it and that is one way to purify air but there are better methods and they're they're mechanical and really what they are is messing with molecules as i say and you're going to see that to be true. You see, the UV spectrum, what it does is it's so strong that it freaks out or scrambles molecules. The UV light itself can burn the wall of a single cell, um, you know, a single cell uh, virus or bacteria. But UV light also makes other compounds. They're called hydroxyl radicals. Again, when we freak out molecules, they, all, they have to come back. They come back as something, 
And one of those things that they come back as is O3. O3 is ozone, which we're going to talk about. Ozone is known to kill harmful virus like HIV and Ebola. And it's natural as can be. Nature's provided it for us. O3 happens after a thunderstorm. So let's jump into the next one. We talked a little bit about UV light. UV light works, but it's only, you know, it's got to, the virus has got to be close to it. And it works because it freaks out molecules. And there's this air around the UV spectrum that is able to really knock them out. The second one doesn't necessarily kill the pathogen, but it can take it out of the airspace. And that's important. Did you ever, like, crack the blind and you see that ray of sun come into your, your, your home there and, and there's all this stuff floating in it? Yeah, like the little particles, you mean. Yeah. And, and people think to themselves, my gosh, is that, are those particles really everywhere? Am I breathing them in all the time? Yeah. Uh, that is uh, skin cells and dust mites, dust mite fecal matter, dust mite particles. And um, virus, they can cling on to those because they're much smaller, and they can hit your eye. And if there are allergens in the air, those virus can stay in the air for a long time. When they say, you know, six-foot distance, uh, you know, um, that'll keep you safe, uh, not necessarily, man. I mean, depending on the circumstance, this virus can linger in the air for minutes at a time. Um, now, with that being said, the next method is negative ionization. What we're doing now is reversing the minute negative charge within the room. It's an ionic charge, and everything has it. Your tabletop, your shirt, your chair, and even those floaters that are in the room, they have this minute negative charge. And when you take two magnets and try to put them together, negative to negative, they repel, right? You flip them around, or you flip one of them around, and it will attract easily. Negative ionization is phenomenal. It, it will knock those allergens out of the air. It's an invisible process that can't be noticed in any way. And it works. It's effective. It will knock those things out of the air. And that's better to have them grounded than floating. So, How do you get that happening? How, how, do, you, how do you get that? Okay, good question. There are uh, advanced air purifiers. And you just read, you know, when you're shopping for an air purifier, you read how it works. Is it working through filters? Um, again, you don't really need filters. If you're knocking those things down out of the air, that's okay. You don't have to clean and replace filters all the time. So some um, air purifiers will boast about their negative ionization uh, feature. Now, the next one comes out of a, a slightly more expensive air purifier. The home air purifiers, you know, the advanced ones in the, the, that contain this type of uh, uh, methodology, probably about four to five to six hundred dollars. It's you know, it's a little expensive, but what is your life worth? You'll have this thing for decades, um, and it'll keep your home like pure even after COVID is over. But the next method is called PCO, okay. and PCO stands for a longer word called photocatalytic oxidation. And I don't like big words either, so we're going to call it PCO. Um, but a quarter million of these PCO devices 
were just installed in the ductwork of the important buildings of South Korea. They must know something that we don't, because that was quite an investment. And have you ever noticed how well South Korea is doing with this virus? I was wondering about that. Now I think you gotta you cracked the code on that one, because I think everybody was wondering how South Korea was able to solve this. It felt like in a day, Scott Milner. Discipline, my friend. Discipline. They had solid leadership. The people appreciated that leadership. They were not divided. He recommended masks and many other things, and they followed his lead. But let's get back to PCL, because this one's kind of important. The reason it's important is because it has been deemed safe to be around people, to be used around people. In other words, uh, in one of these air purifiers, which is about the size of a bread box, so you can put it up on a shelf or something, it's got this block in it. And in the block, it's got this UV tube. You, it makes a very strong light. It's tinted very specially, and it goes through a honeycomb of, like, titanium metals. So it pr- produces a specific element, and that element is called hydroxyl radicals. There's a family of them. There's a few of them. But I talk about the one that people know about, H2O2. Remember, I promised we are going to kill virus on a molecular level. Well, now we're able to create H2O2 by scrambling molecules and bringing them back just right. Now, H2O2 is in your medicine cabinet. It's hydrogen peroxide, right? In the liquid form, it's so strong that when you put it on a cut, it bubbles up, right? Okay. I'm I'm in that moment, but but keep going because now I'm intrigued. (laughs) Next. Well, you should know about that because if you cut yourself, man, that's the first thing you reach for is hydrogen peroxide. Oh, yeah, of course. It's such a powerful oxidizer. Right. It's such a powerful oxidizer that it knocks out any bacteria in your cut and it bubbles up. That's oxidation. You're seeing it with your eyes. Well, we're able to produce it invisibly on the molecular level, and it is highly effective against bacteria and virus. Of course, and actually, now, again, uh, liquidated. You know what I mean? And, and whatnot. No, right. Well, there's a lot of building operators diluting hydrogen peroxide, buying it by the bucketfuls, and spraying it through their buildings to try to get disinfection going. And now, Scott, it I works. Right there. I, I got to ask you this. So, it sounds to me that you're you're basing these methods off what maybe your clientele or your friends who run the business, the, the buildings are telling you, I mean, how, how much research went into that when you know, you know, Hey, I can say this is happening. It sounds like you've cited people right. you work with, or, or are they other outside research? Well, again, that's part of the problem in the industry. I'm screaming for begging for universities and the FDA to approve PCO technology to kill COVID-19 specifically. Frankly, building operators do not know much about this technology. Again, some of them would rather paint the basement hallway than add air purification equipment. Air purification has never been a problem. You know, not a big problem. They don't spend an awful lot of time focused on it until now. And now they're just focused on what kills COVID-19. So the FDA has put together a list called the N-List of liquids that are known 
to kill other virus. So there's this endless that they're recommending people use, and that's what building operators are using. They're having companies come in with powerful sprayers, and I can do that too. I can spray I, down yeah, a classroom. It's the average, you're right. How, it's the everyday list that we have in our own you know, cabinets that we use. So you're saying, hey, why not we go from that to let's go to a much more scientific thing than just what the FDA is telling us. It, it, that's how I'm reading it right now or listening to you. No layering. Layering is good. Um, I like the word layering because if people are cleaning their surfaces with a good disinfectant, they should continue to do that. Absolutely. But if they're running this restaurant or this school, um, absolutely. You know, a $400 air purifier might save the lives of your clients because it puts out something in the air that's able to kill airborne virus. It's able to knock it down and possibly reduce it in the airspace. Now, how so do you tell leadership, no. once they have this purifier, how do you tell leadership, hey, you know, we can do this because we've got this really uh, contained, like we can we can truly purify. I, I feel like leadership, uh, you know, politicians wouldn't listen to that. I'm, uh, I'm trying my best to reach out to the, the Biden transition team. My God, the White House is a hot spot. Do they know about this equipment? Certainly, um, Mr. Trump doesn't. Uh, so there's a lot of people that don't know about these, these solutions, these processes. So I'm doing my best to, to tell the world about it, but the world's not catching on very quickly, and it's probably for the better. Frankly, there's only one manufacturer, uh, maybe two in this country, that make the type of equipment that create the molecular elements we're describing. And, you know, South Korea is buying them all up. If the whole world knew about these methods, I think it would be extremely hard to get your hands on it right now. It is possible. You know, the supplier I work with goes in and out of having the supply for this because people do know about it. But um, more people need to know and uh, businesses need to know. I think businesses can steal, uh, you know, people from their competition if they understand this, if they do this right. If you're a health club owner or a restaurant owner, and you put in the proper type of entry equipment and uh, touch those features in the bathroom and air purification mechanisms, and you let your clientele know what you're doing, they're going to come to your restaurant rather than in, rather than the one down the street. I love that. So you're, you're basically saying that if, if businesses follow your methods in the book, The War on COVID-19 by Scott Milna, he's a facility consultant. He knows the indoor space. He's been around it for years. He's recommended and consulted on it. Now, especially in this time, how how important is it to have that indoor space uh, recognition that things could be done? But you're saying if they listen to your methods, even if they buy the book, this could really help them move ahead, literally get a leg up against their competition. I believe so. And in, the, in a minute, I'd like to describe that patent I got. And I think you'll see oh, exactly yeah. how. If you can be inventive, um, you can um, really steal business from your competition. But there's this one last one I want to describe because my invention involves this. And this last one's really critically important because it's the element that I think is going to come to save the day in the long run. It, we mentioned it earlier. It's O3 or ozone. And I separate this one out because O3 is special. It's made the same way. 
um, either by corona discharge or, or UV light, but you're scrambling molecules and they're coming back as O3. O3 is known to kill virus very effectively, even SARS-CoV. And COVID is SARS-CoV2. Now, ozone is easy to make. It's very practical. But the EPA has put out a warning about it. They don't want people exposed to high levels of ozone for extended periods of time. So since there's this warning out about it, there's this mystery about it. But ozone is nature's miracle, in my opinion. And it could be used at that restaurant after people leave, if you're worried about it. And ozone can be used at low levels during the day when people are around. The nice thing about ozone is that if it gets up to the, like the medium-low level or the medium level, you can smell it. And it doesn't smell good or bad, but it smells, it smells noticeable. <laughs> so you, you would know to open a window or turn it down a little bit that you're using a little too much disinfectant in that space when people are around. But ozone is perfect for the cruise ship after people get off of it, or the airplane after people disembark, or anything after people leave. Even your office, if you walk out, you know, you could, there's a, air purifiers where you touch a little button, and ozone fills the room for 20 minutes. Mm. Ozone also goes away quickly, and that's what's nice about it. It fills the space, it kills on surfaces, in the air, and then it goes pretty much goes back to oxygen, O2, where it goes to H2O, a little bit of moisture in the room. So uh, ozone is an important one. It's important because they're now doing medical experiments, which involve ozone, and it's be, they're looking at it as a therapy for this virus to help reduce the agony and suffering of people that have it and to speed up their time to recovery. Wow. Um, I've got to ask you about all the, so you just laid out the methods. Um, and I feel like people, if they want to run down, the yes. actually get your book, the war on COVID-19, the oxidation sounds very intriguing to me as the ozone. Remember there's been panic for years of the ozone layer disap- disappearing. Is that, is that still happening? Like it, No, it's true. There's a lot of dichotomy about the word ozone. It's a lower level pollutant. And there might be listeners in your audience right now saying, this guy's wrong, man. The news news warns me about breathing ozone outside. Um, I even have a sign on our highway that says, you know, on a hot summer day, high levels of ozone, stay inside if you can today. Ozone is a lower level pollutant. It's also a layer around our globe that protects us from some of the harmful rays of the sun. But it's also a disinfectant. So it's weird, you know, because you don't want to breathe too much in. And people that have asthma or get headaches sometimes can be affected by uh, ozone. So that's why I say it's best used when people aren't around. But... It can be used at low levels when people are around. And the Journal of Virology is doing experiments with ozone and mice proving that low-level ozone inhalation is causing immunity in these mice. And it's curing them faster because it's known to kill virus. So I'm, I'm begging me, don't take my advice. 
The universities have got to study this. I am not a scientist. I am not a medical doctor. I'm a facility guy that uses ozone to kill virus and bacteria. Let me ask you this. Let me tell you about it. I want to know the the success rate of your work, though. Like, have you you've used it? You've seen success. Oh yeah. Is there data percentage? Oh yeah. In this. Well, some of these things are a little subjective, Alex. But I mean, let me give you some for instances. I do work in retirement communities, and I have retirement communities that bought six of my devices. It's a thirty-five hundred dollar investment. You know. It's not that much money when you compare it to the lives it can save. And they use these machines around their facility in the public areas during the day. They're treating with PCO and negative ionization all day long. And it also filters the air. But then at night, they crank up the ozone. And they use these, one of them pushes these machines around in the hallway. They literally move them around in the hallway, higher levels of ozone at night because all the doors are closed. But then during the day, they're parked like in the cafeteria, in the television room with low levels of ozone. That retirement community has not had any COVID sickness to this date. They're, they're friends of mine down there, and, and they credit this process to their health and safety. I, I, you know, I like to believe it, it's helping. Well, I've got to just give people, so Scott may be coming up with some interesting ideas you may not have heard of to fight COVID-19, but I want to give you a little bit of a background. He's certified by three of the nation's authorities of building efficiency inspection. I don't even know what these stand for, BPI, are uh, ResNet and LEED. Well, LEED is familiar. And he was certified by the National Organization for Remediators and Mold Inspectors. And I love that you're a solar consultant literally across the street. I see people using solar panels in one of the houses next door. So um, you're going to see a lot of those in the next four years. And I love to bring on for a separate topic on that because maybe even that's going to help fight COVID nineteen. I feel like it could. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe. Real quick, you want to hear about that patent I came up with? Yes, absolutely. Let's hear it. Okay, I'll run through it quickly. What it is is it's a uh, a guest room upgrade for hotels which are really suffering right now. I mean, they found live virus on the Diamond Princess cruise ship 17 days after it was evacuated. You wonder why people are nervous to sleep in a hotel room after it might have been occupied the night before? That's a problem, and it's going to crush the industry. So I've patented a 10-step process, which is a hotel room upgrade. And it includes, obviously, now that you know how it works, it includes ozone treatment. Uh, between guests, because it's not difficult to do. It's very practical and easy to do. It includes a fogging disinfectant. We fill the room with a fog, liquid disinfectant, because people trust that. It comes with a shower head uh, that takes out the chlorine of the water and puts in a nice aroma. It comes with hypoallergenic insect infestation bedding. So not only the mattress, but the box spring and pillows are wrapped with something that will prevent you know, I don't even like to talk about it. <laughs> um, the amenities bag comes with natural cosmetics and PPE, like masks and gloves and even earplugs and a sleep mask because we really want to kind of upgrade this hotel room like a, like a spa. It comes with its own air purifier and a clock that wakes you up like the dawn, you know. 
the room even comes with a sanitation seal that like when you when you open the door you got to break the seal so that you know the last thing that was done in there was full-on disinfection and uh, we even for hotels that buy it we even give them a, a uv light for the front desk which is important. There's a lot of touching going on around the front desk, and uh, that's one spot that really needs a little disinfection. And the people in the lobby know that something about this hotel is different right away. Uh, you're with the Rocky Mountain Efficiency Group. You're the president there. Um, efficiency to me mm-hmm. also means, uh, and I feel like your patent has this, but I want to be sure I get this right. Efficiency also means the environmental uh, aspect of all this. So, how is yeah. it, did you have to get your patent environmentally certified? Did you have to get it? Well, how much of a role has the environment played in your writing of this book and the patent? Well, the writing of the book is entirely uh, about this crisis, what's making it rampage through the United States and how to slow it down. Um, and these four methods are, you know, chapter five and six, um, Chapter six and seven gets into, you know, kind of reinventing your business. And chapter seven gets into the specifics of uh, education, manufacturing, um, eateries, uh, retail. You know, well, what you should be thinking about in a retail establishment to keep it as safe as possible. And, you know, all the little methodologies that are being used around the nation to try to keep retail shoppers safe from virus. Try to really delve in because every business is quite unique. And uh, and I highly recommend it. Now, what's pretty cool is you have, um, if you guys have been interested in listening to this, I know that Scott wants to do something cool for you to maybe adapt some of these things to your own life. Uh, Scott, tell us what listeners of this podcast could do. Um, I think it was like five listeners could get your book. Is that correct? Yeah, cool. Thanks for asking, Alex. I appreciate it, man. Listen, if, if your listeners would like a copy of my book, uh, they can find it on Amazon, or they can go to the website, uh, virusdepot.com, uh, and I'll sign a copy and send it out to them. Uh, the first five listeners that do that, I'll send it out for free. Um, this way, they can kind of see all the products, because you know this subject describes the method, but the products show like the how. And they're hard to find. So I try to find them all, put them in one spot, and that's on virusdepot.com. If uh, they would like a list of the, the 10 things you can do to survive a viral outbreak, uh, just you know mention that in the uh, communication on that website, and I'll send that to them for free. And if they mention your name of this podcast, I'll give them a 15-minute consultation about what they should do in their home or their restaurant or store or whatever. That is very generous of you, Scott, because I know that as president of the company, as you're trying to get your idea out to whoever is interested, to take time to listen for my listeners or for any listener is very special. So thank you for that offer. Uh, so they would just have to tell yeah. you my name, Alex Garrett. Is that about right? Yeah, absolutely. I really am glad I had you on tonight because, Scott, um, the indoor thing is really a hang up for me. I, I sometimes think how can a barbershop be open, but not a restaurant? Like, I don't know, maybe you're seeing that discrepancy too. And you're like, what are you, you know, are you seeing that as well? Like why is one thing open, but not the other? Yeah. Alex, restaurants have proven to be a real problem. And, um, people got to take their masks off to eat. 
Uh, they don't always have very good ventilation in there, and uh, they've been proven to be a source of, of contagion. Um, just It just has been. Uh, bars, people are drinking, man, their inhibitions go down immediately. There, there wouldn't be a single person wearing a mask in a bar because I guess it just doesn't look cool. Um, but right. the combination of eating, drinking, socializing, it's its all bad, bad, and bad. I hate but to say it like up- that. You know, if a restaurant takes up your advice, is there, it sounds like there's a good chance that they could really be open and not have any of these issues. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't want to be all negative either. I realize there's 100,000, 200,000 restaurant owners out there trying to survive. They need to find a way to bring the outside in. They need to do layering, again, as I described. Lots of air movement, a tent outside. Um, you can now get loans to construct your outside decks and outside dining, outside tents, um, buy equipment. Yeah. Um, and and just tr- you try to do everything possible uh, to reduce the spread of contagion. And there's a long list of things that could be done in a restaurant. And you layer them all on top of each other. And um, you may have people coming to you in your restaurant because you've done better than the guy down the street that just open the door and hope for the best. Well, I am uh, very appreciative that you came on and discuss all this and uh, your website again, just so people know. Sure. Um, Virusdepot.com. And I'd love to have you back on as we see the restrictions happening. I, I think your solution from what it sounds like could help prevent lockdowns. Uh, maybe that's a little too out there to say, but it just sounds like, You've got some ideas that we're not hearing enough about. And, you know, this podcast is about things that should be trending but aren't. And I think you've hit the nail on the head here that you're you've got this thing. You've got this experience. And um, I pray for you as the facility consultancy, I'm sure, is kicking up during this period, even more in the last few weeks, let alone months. (laughs) I think what you're going to see is the conversation soon, hopefully, uh, change from politics to controlling this virus. I feel it. Really, I feel there's a change happening, so we'll have to see how that goes. But Scott, yeah. M-I-L-N-E is his, and you can find him on LinkedIn. Are you on Twitter as well, Scott? Yes, I am. Uh, what, what would that Twitter be, just so I can link to it as well? Facility Tech. All right, Facility Tech. Hey, uh, thanks again, Scott, and please come back as your patent takes off and as your ideas get talked about. I'd love to have your updates going on. On my podcast. Excellent. Stay in touch. Thank you, Alex. I'm Alex Garrett, uh, AlexG in NYC.net, AlexG in NYC.net. And of course, we'll talk to you soon.